Before Jesus left earth, he challenged his disciples to live life with the end in mind. He said, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. At Life Church, we believe that we've been called to make a difference here on earth, and our reward will be consistent with our sacrifice. We want to see people far away from God come into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we believe that building the church around the corner and around the world is the most effective way to accomplish that vision. In fact, Jesus promised us success when he said that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. In Milwaukee, where poverty and crime rates are both the fifth highest in the country, we will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In Cuba, where communism says there is no God, Jesus says there is a God, and you will worship the one true God. My church will be built. In North Korea, where socialism has restricted the spread of Christianity, the Bible says if God is for us, nothing can stand against us. His church will be built in North Korea. In the Middle East, where Islam is fighting against Christianity, God says every tongue shall confess that Jesus is the one true God. Where others might not go, Life Church is committed to building the church of Jesus Christ. We know that the gospel is free, but spreading it can be expensive. That's why through Greater, we are able to expand the kingdom of God at the speed of your generosity. We give so that all may hear. Well, welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Can we welcome all of our campuses? Appleton campus, Milwaukee campus, Germantown campus, online campus. Wherever you are connecting with us today, we're glad that you're connecting with us. If you have your Bibles, only you turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen when we get there. But this is an amazing weekend. At the end of today's service, we're going to do something we've never done before, and that is we're taking our first miracle offering, as we're calling it, for uh, Greater, which Greater is the initiative, the strategy that we have. It's a kind of above and beyond tithe. Tithe uh, goes to the storehouse. Greater goes around the corner around the world. So whether it's a missions organization, missionaries, international church planning, uh, the inner city of Milwaukee, uh, all of these types of things, they all fit under that umbrella of greater. And so uh, at the end of the service day, we're going to have an opportunity to kind of what we call bridge the gap. So last year at the beginning of January, we talked, matter of fact, beginning of January, the, there was no Life Center Milwaukee. There was no Milwaukee campus. There was just this idea, this dream that we felt like God was in. And we actually put a map on the screen and said, we think God's going to give us a piece of property in this area and this zip code. Well, that exactly happened at 56th and Burleigh. And so today there's 130 people. There actually there was 141 last Sunday, if you really want to be technical about it, that are meeting every single week. We've been able to serve over 10,000 hours just in the last six months out of that, that particular place. And so as we get into even to this next year, 2019, we've got some more exciting things to be unfolding. But we gave you an opportunity to say, hey, what do you think God wants to do in and through you? And so out of that came close to a million dollars worth of commitments and, and kind of, uh, not, not pledges, but faith promises. Hey, I, I believe in this, and I think this can get there. And, and, and no one's ever going to show up and say, hey, man, you owe, because you don't owe anything to us. It's just, let's just dream together. And what can God do? And what do we think can happen? 
And, and do you realize in the history of Life Church, if we never gave any more money than what we have given up to this point for missions, this is, this is the greatest missions giving year we've ever had. And the opportunity too this weekend and through the end of this month to be able just to kind of get there, we've got, we've got about 150,000 projects, all are worth of projects I'm going to talk about today. But there's about $300,000 of that gap that would get us to a million dollars. We've not gotten to ever to a million dollars yet. And if you know me at all, that's been one of my dreams and goals is to say, hey, man, I want to be a part of a church that's giving away a million dollars to the gospel going around the corner and around the world that doesn't stay here. And you say you're crazy. And I would say you're exactly right. What, what clued you in? right from the very beginning, but this is beginning to happen. And so today we're going to have an opportunity to do that. If you're a guest today at Life Church, today is just informational. There is no expectation from you whatsoever. But if you're a regular Life Church attender, some of you are going to make sacrificial gifts. Some of you are going to make strategic kingdom investments, but the Lord's been speaking to your heart. He's speaking to my heart about what we're to do. And here's what I know, that God's church is going to be built around the corner, around the world because of what takes place this weekend at Life Church. Matthew chapter 16. Jesus is making a very important announcement. As a matter of fact, uh, in the Bible, in the New Testament, the word church is used many, 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 many times. But this is the very first place where Jesus will use the word church to describe what the kingdom of God will look like. And when he does this, he does it in a very unique place. Matthew chapter 16, uh, Jesus is about halfway through his three-year uh, ministry on this earth. And he takes the disciples, if you would, kind of on a, on a staff retreat, right? They're kind of like going to get away and kind of change the pace, change the place, change the perspective. And he takes them to a very unlikely place. It's called Caesarea Philippi. It's north of Jerusalem. If you were on the missions, excuse me, if you were on the Israel trip with, with me and, and Ryan a couple of years ago, we went to this place. We actually went to the exact place where Jesus was, would have been standing in that, in that vicinity right there to this location uh, and that Jesus will talk about. And Jesus makes the statement. It was at this place that he announces that he's going to build his church. It's interesting because Caesarea Philippi was a, was a pagan stronghold. It would have been like modern-day Las Vegas, and I'm not down on Vegas. But, but I'm saying, but when you think about Vegas and the, and, and, and the kind of the motto of Sin City, that's what Caesarea Philippi would look like. It, it, it was everything far away from anything that could have smacked of religion or Christianity or anything that you would have thought of or I would have thought of. I personally think one of the reasons why Jesus went here was it was so far away from the closest uh, a Jewish Pharisee that he could get away. And he was making a point about this place that was called the gates of hell. There's a place called the gates of hell. And right there, it's, it's, it's a rock formation. Uh, and and it, it kind of opens up from a natural spring that comes out from, uh, from, from the ground where they would literally in this day and time make, make human sacrifices uh, to, to the gods. And, 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 and because of you know, Greek mythology and, 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 Ro and, and Roman, uh, the multi-theistic Roman God and, and spiritualism, they would go there and, and would worship. And there was all kinds of just sinful pagan stuff. And it's at this place that Jesus makes this announcement. I want to read it together with you in Matthew's gospel, chapter 16, starting in verse 13. 
It's at this place, Jesus, it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, and one of the prophets. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, Simon son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church in the gates of Hades, he's referring to where they are, will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It's at this place, this, this pagan place that's so far away from anything that's happening in Jerusalem and any part of, of a godly lifestyle or atmosphere that Jesus says that he's going to build his church and the gates of even Hades won't prevail against it. Now, it's amazing to me how things grow and organizations grow, how they start with small beginnings and they grow into something huge, into like worldwide impact. Like for a minute, just think about Facebook. It started in a dorm room at Harvard University with a student named Mark Zuckerberg who basically converted this hobby into a way to connect Harvard students together. Today, 2.3 billion people are logged onto Facebook. Google, it was launched by some West Coast geeks that were trying to figure out how to organize massive amounts of information and make it available on the internet. Today, Google processes over 4.3 billion searches per day. Chick-fil-A. You didn't think I was going to leave them out, did you? Chick-fil-A started with Truett Cathy and a small grill called the Dwarf House near a Ford Motor Company factory in Atlanta. Today, they do more than $3 billion a year in business. And that's a business that's closed on Sunday. See, none of these stories compare, though, to the amazing story of the church of Jesus Christ and the launch. For Jesus introduces this idea of the church. At this very unsuspecting place, the gates of Haiti, the gates of hell, and Caesarea Philippi, to 12 ordinary men, one of them would have been considered a high school dropout. And today, over 2 billion people declare themselves as followers of Jesus Christ and a part of this organization called the church. We should notice a couple of things that Jesus shares from this passage. First of all, that Jesus is the foundation of the church. Jesus is the foundation of the church. The word church is, is the, word, the, the Greek word ecclesia, which literally means a special group of people called out for God's purpose. The church isn't a building. It's a fellowship of people, people that are fully devoted followers of Jesus. And Jesus says that he would build his church upon this rock. Now, it's interesting because he's, some people think, well, well, he's referring to Peter because the word Peter means rock, but, but it's two different types of rock. So Peter, the, the, the name Peter is the word, uh, Greek word petros, which means small or like a pebble, like a stone that you would skip across the water. And Jesus uses the word he would build his church upon this rock. He doesn't use the word petros. He uses the word petra, which is a large foundational stone uh, 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 structure that's a naturally occurring stone structure in, in the world. 
And it's almost like this comparison contrast. I'm not doing something small. I'm going to do something large. I'm, I'm going to compare Petra to Petros. I'm going to com compare that the foundation is so large of the church that I'm going to build that you're going to be a part of that it's going to dwarf even Peter. Peter's going to be a part of it, but it's going to be bigger than that. And we know the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3.11 that Jesus is the foundation. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the foundation of the church. It's not a group of people. It's not a group of theologians. It's not a group of, of monks or priests or pastors or denominational headquarters. It's Jesus. He's the foundation. He's the one that started this thing called the church. The second thing that we notice from what Jesus says is that the church shouldn't retreat, but we should attack the gates of Hades or the gates of hell, the gates of death. And he says that those will, will not be overcome. See, in the Bible, Hades is an abode of the unrighteous dead before the final judgment, the great white throne judgment that's described in Revelation chapter 20. Hades is a place of torment like hell, but it's like the county jail before a trial of a guilty person who's sent to life behind prison. There's a mythological Greek god named Hades as well, who's in charge of the underworld. And this, this Greek word Hades literally means not to see which means Hades is a place of utter darkness. So if Hades means the underworld or, or the grave, then the gates of Hades would be death. This is, as I said, is an actual place of pagan worship. You can go there. If you go with me in 2019 on the trip to Israel, to the Holy Land, again, we'll take you to this place. It was a site of pagan ritual practice. And it was at this place that Jesus kind of juxtapositions the life of who he is and the death of what that place was and the power of who he was and, and, and the powerlessness that that place was going to have and the Petra that he was and the Petros that that place was. And then that place is where he makes this announcement that this church that he was building, that the gates of hell would not prevail against. Sometimes when we read that, we think, okay, man, we're going to kind of hold the fort. We're going to kind of be okay. No, 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 no. It's offensive. The church is not a defensive organization. It's an offensive organization. The church is not a holy huddle of navel-gazing, kumbaya, go-to-hell Christians. The church is radically reaching people and loving people and serving people, not to condemn them, but to love them. Why? Because Jesus, the Bible even says that Jesus doesn't condemn them. John 3, 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. And so you and I, our job isn't to condemn the world. Our job isn't to point out their sin. Our job isn't to be their judge. It's simply to be this group of people that's advancing, that's going into the gates of hell, that's going into this place of death and pulling people out. Amen. And when you think about that, I want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of some little holy huddle. I don't want to be a part of some little, well, let's just get together until Jesus comes. Oh, the world's getting bad. Oh, everything's falling apart. Oh, I'm going to go outside and eat worms. Everybody hates me. Nobody, you go, oh, can I get a witness? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I've been reading Facebook. Oh, did you see this on the internet? Oh, somebody has some story. Oh, the sky is falling. Oh, I thought the rapture took place, but maybe it didn't. Let's call the church. No, there's church secretary still there. We're okay. Amen? Not that the pastor's there. Can I get a witness? You know what I'm talking about? No! We are not called to a defensive posture. We are not called to offend either. Amen? Some of us have the spiritual gift of offense. That's not what we're called to do. 
but we are called to go into death itself and the places where nobody else wants to go and love people that nobody else wants to love and tell them that there's a way, there's a truth, there's a life. I was in a conversation the other day about a particular church that was located in the south side of Milwaukee. Bad neighborhood. And there was a conversation on whether or not we should keep this church in that area. And, and the conversation was, hey, man, you, you know, there, there are drug deals that are going on on that corner. And, and there's prostitution going on on that corner. And, 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 and right there where the church is on that corner. And I mean, this is, a, and the bullets are flying. And there was a prayer meeting the other night. And you could hear gunshots going. And, and it's very unsafe. And, and only the police and the drug dealers go there. You know where I'm going with this. And the question is, should we be there? Is it, is it safe? And I said, of course it's not safe. But church has never been safe. We're not called to safety. We're called to go rescue people. We're called to go into the turbulent waters. We're called to go into the highways and the byways and the hedges. And, 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 and the one thing we should never abdicate is it doesn't matter what's going on. We're called to go into death and hell itself and drag people and pull people and bring people out to life and to safety. Amen. If we can't be there, who can? If we give up on that neighborhood, who's going to go? Amen. Don't get me shouting now. I got to keep moving on. All right. I'm past jet lag. I'm ready. I'm back. The third thing that we see here is that Jesus has given us the keys to the kingdom, the preaching of the gospel. He's given you and I as members of this church, the overall church. I'm not talking about life church. I'm talking about the church universal, the keys to the kingdom. He says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth, be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, be loose in heaven. This terminology refers to the forgiveness of sin. It's our job to announce to people who embrace the truth of the gospel that Jesus has forgiven them. It's our job to proclaim the possibility of forgiveness. That's called the good news. Romans 10, 4, 10 14 says, how can they believe in the one in whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? When Jesus is making this announcement, he says, I'm going to give you the keys to unlock this. I'm going to give you the ability to unlock this, 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 this death area, this place where people have forgotten about, this, this place. And I love that Jesus, see, the epicenter of, of religion in the Jewish world was Jerusalem, not Caesarea Philippi. But Jesus doesn't make this announcement in Jerusalem. He makes it in Caesarea Philippi. He doesn't make it in, 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 the, in the middle of the Bible Belt, if you would. He makes it in Sin City itself. Why? Because that's where the sinners are. That's where the hurting is. That's where the need is. And he says, I'm going to give you the power to do this. I'm going to give you the keys it's funny to me how we'll, we'll believe him for, for God's love of the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believed in him will not perish, have everlasting life. Well, if you just do that, you're going to be saved. It also says that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. How much binding and loosing have you been doing lately? Yeah, well, you just don't understand. No, no, you don't understand. We serve a God that's greater than any addiction. We serve a God that's greater than any problem. We serve a God that's greater than any curse. We serve a God that's greater than anything. There is no problem so big that he can't get over it, around it, under it, or literally pick it up and throw it away. We serve a God who has no beginning and has no end. We serve a God who is the same today, yesterday, and forever. We serve a God who spoke over, over the face of the deep and the world in which you and I were created and life came forth. We serve a God 
Who brings life unto death? And he says to us, I'm going to give you, the church, the ability to go and do this. I'm going to give you the keys. But how many of you know keys are useless unless you use them? If you go to my house, I got an old drawer full of old keys. Don't even know where they go to. You got one of those? Don't know what this is keys to. Don't know what this keys to. Don't know what this keys to. This is a car key. How did I get this? I don't even know what this is going to. We haven't owned a car like this in 10 years. Tammy, what's the deal with this? They're useless because we don't know how to use them. We don't know where they go to. Keys are useless unless you use them. And nothing is more useless than a key that isn't used. And sadly, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've been given a key to heaven, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want to just take a few minutes to show you some possibilities today of how we might use the keys to the kingdom to advance the kingdom and not let the gates of hell and death come against us, but build upon the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. We're not going after low-hanging fruit. This is not an easy thing. But what I'm talking to you about today, this last $150,000, and again, if the money doesn't come in, we just simply don't do these projects. Don't misunderstand me. There, there is no, like, threat <laughs> that we're not going to turn the, this is an offering to keep we energies, keep the lights on. Amen? I've been to church like that before. We need to pass the plate again. We didn't get enough. Uh, yeah, they're going to close the doors. We, the, the, you know, the, the mortgage company, we got to be paid. No, no, this is not any of that. This is about advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the places I'm going to talk about in this last $150,000 to $300,000 worth of projects are hard, hard places to go, to do, to pronounce the gospel. They're, <laughs> they're Caesarea Philippi's in their own. One is Cuba. If you've attended Life Church at all for very long, you know that we have a passion to want to, to want to reach this island nation. Before the doors opened up, I was able to very, several times go into Cuba and to go there and to be there on a religious visa. I, I actually helped get bring in some of the, the Kindles and, and, and was a part of some of the things that were going on there. We, we were, we, we, the government basically had set up and said, hey, in order for the church to, to, to advance forward and to do what God's called them to do, they're going to have to be trained. And so if they're going to have to be trained, they're going to have to be trained by a regionally accredited university from the United States or at that level of accreditation. And so it was a way to, to stamp out the church. It was a way to hold back the church. Again, this is a communist country. And I don't care what you see from Michael Moore talking about the hospital that's right there on the island in Havana. The elevator is broke. And when you're on that elevator, you'll hear people yell out, six, three, seven. They're telling you to hit the emergency brake the next time you come through so you can open the doors and let them on so they can get back down. So don't let a secular world tell you that everything is great. If you go there today, you go, hey, things are awesome. They just got the internet. If you go there today, you'll find out that people, that the, that the food that's been rationed to people is now, uh, is now going to tourists. It's not the tourist's fault. It's because it's all been regulated because the average Cuban lives on 14 U.S. dollars a month. I've, I've met leading surgeons, high-capacity individuals that they make 30 U.S. dollars a month. Dentists, attorneys, geophysicists, literally. 
And so they were trying to shut the church down. And so the, the, the church in Cuba, because the, all of our missionaries left in the, in, in the 50s under, under, uh, under all the problems that was going on. And so, so we've had interactions back and forth, but it's been very limited. And so they said, hey, can you help? And so we figured out how to take a, a Kindle or a digital device, much like this, and just simply jailbreak the device and download four years worth of textbooks onto this. And we could get the Kindle into the country because you couldn't bring a printing press in the country. They wouldn't let you, but there's no paper to buy. And they wouldn't let you buy a printing press because they want to know what you were going to print. And everything's regulated by the government because it's communist. So free speech is, is inhibited. And so we began to buy these Kindles. Some of you were a part of that. And then from Kindles, we had enough Kindles. And so we began to get them in. I literally went in on one of my trips and brought Kindles in with me. And I was detained in a small room and questioned for quite some time about why I had all this technology and what was going on. It was quite unnerving, if I can just be honest with you, just for a minute. But it was one of the most exhilarating things because then that night when I went into a room and it was a service and it was a room that was packed and jam-packed to capacity and I was told these are all the people that are, that, that, are, that are Christ followers. These are all the people that feel called into vocational ministry. They're actually preaching. There's preaching points all over the island and, and they're awaiting their Kindle. If we can just get the Kindle in their hand, then they'll be able to get educated and then they'll be able to fulfill the requirements for the government. Therefore, the church can continue forward. I'm telling you, amazing. And it costs a thousand bucks per student because of all the regulations and the things that go on. We've got to go through the official ways of doing that in order to educate a student. So, for every thousand dollars that's given, a, a, a Cuban student is given basically a regionally accredited, so University of Wisconsin level of accreditation, degree in biblical theology. We've had 732 Cuban pastors graduate from the program. Another 1,200, excuse me, another 236 are in the master's program. And there are 2,229 currently studying in the program. It's going to take three million bucks. We're going to raise it, not us, but Global University, and we're partnering with them to do that. India. Right now in India, I've been to all of these places. India, we are planting wrecked churches in India. There's a, a church plant initiative at a record place. It's not us. We're a part of what's happening. But it's the largest church planting effort in Christianity, in, in Christian history. 25,000 students are now enrolled in India Bible College, awaiting, going through the process so that they can be trained and then released to plant. Because again, if you understand what's happening in India, there's a lot of sanctions. And so there's, it's becoming more and more and more difficult for even for like me as a U.S. pastor to come in and get, and get a passport. Uh, we had, excuse me, to get a visa to get into the country. We had a pastor that was not only detained, but he was, he was put in jail. Uh, because he was in India on a tourist visa, very well-known pastor, and was put in, and then and, and he, he was asked to speak, and he preached at a service, and when he preached at a service, the, the officials came in, found out about it, came to his hotel room, arrested him, and again, you don't have the same diplomatic immunity that you would have until you get to the embassy. It's still being arbitrated. Because what's happening is, 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 is this ideology, we don't want you to proselytize. We don't want you to convert people from Hinduism. It's okay if Jesus is one of the gods, but he can't become the God. He can't become the way, the truth in life. But I told you right, 25,000 students enrolled to plant churches, house churches. And it costs $100 to plant a house church in India. How many churches do you want to plant today? Five, 10, 20? Think about that for a minute. There is no way in America that we can plant churches at that 
at that price point. But because of the mass amount of humanity and because of the way it has to be done, India is an open door, although it's closing. The Middle East. Right now in the Middle East, the church is exploding in growth. You're not going to read about this on CNN, and people's lives are at risk, but, but house churches are actually starting and are beginning to meet in mosques secretly. If you were part of the greater dinner just a while back, we, we had a, an individual, I can't even say his name in public, he would not come to a weekend service, we could not record anything, we could not audio tape anything, videotape anything, his name cannot be used anywhere in context with any of this. But he, I, 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 have, I know this individual personally, and over the past several years, years, it is amazing to see the numbers of people that are coming. They've established, get this, this is Middle East, like countries that if I said you would know, you hear about them on the news. 12,000 house churches have already been established in the last 36 months just in this region of the world. And you know what's happening is God is beginning to reveal himself through visions. People are having visions, and there's supernatural things that are happening, and God's beginning to show up. And then there is, there, there is, the, is, is a physical persecution that's coming against, and then God's miraculously doing book of Acts type of stuff. I'm just telling you, this is what's going on. And so you and I are actually paying for the materials for these house churches, and many of them are being started in mosques right in the middle of the hotbed of the Middle East. That leads me right to the last place, but not least, Milwaukee. We've been on this journey for less than a year, and I'm just telling you, I'm amazed at what God's doing. It has been a ride and a half, and we've only just begun. If you're at the Milwaukee campus and you're watching this, you know what's happening. Because you're in a building that for years has struggled to have just a couple dozen people in it on any given Sunday. And right now, on an average, there's 130 people that are there with full service kids ministry and, and, and developing a youth ministry and, and, and with a campus pastor and with all of everything that's going on. 10,000 hours have been served in and around this particular location of the city and doors are continuing to open. And in January 1, we're gonna reveal and kind of open what we're going to do with the facility. We, 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 we went to the exact same architectural firm that did the Germantown campus, Kabbalah Washatko out of uh, uh, Cedarburg. They, they do all the Collectivo coffees. They, they did the Iron Horse Hotel, which is the one of the number one boutique hotels in, in, in America two years ago. They, they, they do all of this amazing work and they've come in and they've given us a plan of how we can do some, I can't even tell you, I'm so excited though, because we're going to completely, I'm just, it's amazing what's going to happen and the doors that are going to open because out of that campus, I see a day where God's going to help us to be able to feed people and minister to people, a place for students to be able to come after school and, and before they go home, a, a, a place of safety, a place of refuge. Do you realize that within a matter of weeks of that campus opening up, there was a young man that wasn't connected with the campus, but right there was shot and killed just a matter of yards away from the front door of that church. We couldn't even have Bible study on Wednesday night because the police tape and everything that was going on, the investigation, there is no other place we should be than to be at a place like that. Amen? Because that's where God's building this church. And we're not asking God to bless what we're doing. We're just finding what God's blessing and we're getting in the middle of that and just simply doing that. So that's today. Today, you have an opportunity at every campus, online, and here in Germantown, we can make history today. And I say we can because we have the resources. So whatever the Lord would speak to your heart, and again, if you're a guest, they won't ask you to give anything monetarily. But if you're a regular attender, this is your opportunity to be able to, to give. 
With $150,000 this weekend, we're able to send 30 students through college next year in Cuba. Plant 300 churches in India, train 300 pastors in the Middle East to start churches, and we desperately need a new audio system at the, at the Milwaukee campus. That's the immediate need right now. Before we even do anything else, we've got to get a new audio system. Pastor Robert says there's not enough bass in the system, so we got to make it thump. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do we have to do those? Nope. If the offering zero this weekend, will projects get cut out of, out of greater? Yep. But the church is going to go ahead. But if it does... For every $100, it means there's another church that's planted in India. For every $1,000, it means another student's going through Bible college. These are not easy areas in communist Cuba. For every $100, another pastor is given resources for another course to help start a church in the Middle East. I don't even know what the sound system cost in Milwaukee. I don't even want to know. That's how elaborate Robert says it is. I'm just joking. But here's what I do know. I feel like where God is asking us to go and what he's asking us to do is exactly in line with what Matthew's gospel talks about. That Jesus Christ is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And this is one way where you and I can boldly go and pull people out of hell itself and see God do his redemptive work. Don't forget, that's our responsibility as Christ followers, to go into all the world and preach and teach the gospel. If I cannot physically go, which I love to go, then I have to send. And that's what we have the opportunity to do today. So I want to ask you to grab the envelope. There's that, there's that uh, green, that blue-green greater envelope you were given to. It's on the seat pocket in front of you. I just want you to hold that in your hand, just right there. And whatever you want to give, you're going to be able to do that. You're also, there's going to be options on the screen uh, that if you want to be able to, to text to give or to give online or however you want to do that, there's, other, there's some other ways to do that. But I'm going to ask you right now to, to just begin to, to take that and to prepare. I, I don't want to take a lot of time on this. I've, I've, been, I've been communicating this, but maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit's speaking for you to do more than what you did. Maybe you had one amount when you came in and something else, and you go, man, you're kind of pressing this. Listen, none of this stays here. None of this affects my life. None of this affects the, it. What it is, this is kingdom. This is all kingdom. This is all his kingdom come. And so at Appleton campus, at the Milwaukee campus, online, Germantown campus, I'm just going to ask whatever you're, you feel like you're supposed to do, just simply do that. Just simply do that. And I want to give you that opportunity to do that. And then what we're going to do, I'm going to pray this prayer. And then at every campus, and if you're online, you can just do it right there on your screen and just send it electronically. But, but if you're on uh, at every campus, when I get done saying amen over the prayer, then the ushers are going to come while I'm praying, and they're going to be ready to collect this. And all of this in its entirety is going to go. And so to however much we're able to do, get is how much we're going to do. And so the speed of your generosity will be the speed, the speed of your giving will, 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 will basically equate our generosity, what we're going to be able to accomplish. And so that's where we are, and that's what we're doing. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you today. I thank you today, Lord, that you entrust us with this thing called the church. That you don't entrust it just 
This is not entrusted to some special group of people or some group of theologians or someone somewhere, but it's entrusted to us. We're given the keys. I love how it says it's not the key, it's the keys, plural. We're all given a set to bind and to loose. How do we do that? By our testimony, by our actions, by our giving, by our going, by our love. I know this is just one way in which to express that. There are many ways to do that. But this is a tangible way. This is something we can do now. This is an actionable item that we can minister to right now. And today, we can make a difference in Cuba and in India. We can make a difference in the Middle East. We won't know until we get to eternity what, what, what all difference that makes, but we can make a difference. We can lay up treasure in heaven, as we've been talking about, legacy. We can make a difference in Milwaukee. We can make a difference in our world. So I pray, Holy Spirit, you've spoken to your people. That's not my responsibility. And I pray, Lord, as they are operating with generosity towards you, as they're giving what you've asked of them, I just pray your blessings be upon them. I pray you bless this offering. I pray you bless it for the furtherance of your kingdom. And Lord, if we don't get to a million dollars this year in missions giving, okay, but give it to us next year then, Lord. But I pray, Jesus, give us passion and fire and desire to be that church that you've called us to be. Not to be passive and to pull back, but to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. To go into every man and every woman's world and to proclaim the good news of Jesus. The life and the love and the forgiveness and the freedom that only comes from him. I thank you for this opportunity today and I pray your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen.